title of my message is Spirit and Truth. And um, I grew up in church and I've known God my whole life, but I never really encountered the Lord until I was 19 years old. I was at a revival service and I experienced the person of Jesus Christ. And then I had realized I had only experienced religion up until then. And each person, you have to have that encounter with God. Sometimes it's very dramatic. Sometimes it's just by faith and you feel nothing, right? But you make that choice and you have that encounter. Well, mine was pretty radical. And it's just the place I was at, I needed a radical encounter. Um, and so I experienced love like I've never experienced. I, I experienced identity. And just so much happened in my life um, at that time. And I started on a journey with the Lord. But I had learned very quickly that passion doesn't equal wisdom. Does anybody? Yeah. It's like I loved God, but I was still acting very foolishly. Because truth comes by learning the word of God. And I had to then start renewing my mind. The transformation happens in our spirit, right? When we become a new creation... 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, that means in our spirit, born again. But my soul was still full of religion and the world and all kinds of stuff. And so I was so passionate about the Lord. And sometimes we can fool people and then that's wisdom. And we get the gifts of God, which are irrevocable, but that also doesn't mean character or wisdom. And that's why in Romans 12, 2, it says that we have to renew our mind to the word of God. And so I want to teach today about spirit and truth because we need both. We need both for the fullness of God and walking in abundant life. And so because I hadn't renewed my mind and I was in the process of renewing my mind, I actually invited a lot of chaos in my life. It's interesting how the world has, I mean, how the church has given so much credit to the enemy. And that we make foolish decisions, and we like to say the enemy is attacking us. He's like, I'm not that powerful, but cool, I'll take the credit. And so I want to talk about more um, truth today. Because I love the Spirit, I love talking about the Spirit, I love talking about encounters of God, I love revival, but 90% after we get saved is actually walking in truth and renewing our mind. And so I'm going to focus on that today. John 4, 24 says, God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. And so I kind of find that some people are more spirit and more truth, meaning like some are very prophetic in the gifts, but maybe areas of their life are falling apart relationally, financially, health. And then some are so word, word, word that becomes almost law and self-sufficient that they don't rely on God. And neither one is good. We need both. We need the miracles. We need the signs, wonders, and miracles. But as we grow in the Lord, we don't have to live miracle to miracle. We live in wisdom, and we give miracles to a broken world, 
right? We need them fewer and fewer, but we're still fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that gets tricky because knowledge can puff up. And so we can kind of become our own God in the word. But humility that we're still so surrendered to the Holy Spirit. When you have a spirit of humility, the more you learn the word and learn the scriptures, the more you realize you don't know a whole lot. And that's truth. And that's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Because knowledge will puff you up, but wisdom is so reliant on the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I know um, if you've been a part of this church for any length of time, a lot of this is going to just be what we always teach. But because Ben and I counsel a lot of people and we see a lot of people, I just want to keep driving this truth into you because life doesn't just happen. God created us so powerful. We choose our life every single day. We choose to let life happen. We can be passive or intentional. And because this thing came in the church of sovereignty, God is sovereign and he's in control. And let me tell you, God is sovereign, but God is not in control. He is given authority to us. If God was in control, this world would be perfect how he created in the garden. But he made us in the likeness and image of himself, and he gave us power, dominion, and authority, whether we use that for darkness or for light. And so because that sovereignty and predestination, it's like people act like, Christian act like we're just minions on this earth, just pawns in God's hands, and whatever he wishes happens will happen. If I get sick, it must be God. If I'm poor, it must be God. If I'm always struggling, it must be God. But so much of our life is actually our decision and our choices. And I'm telling you, it's hard for some of us if nobody's ever set you the example. If you've had parents or people that have set such poor choices and you're trying to lift out of that, I know it's hard. But God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Holy Spirit is living in us. And we can choose life every day. And it's a journey. You know, it's a journey. I remember it's tough, but as we more renew our mind to the word, it actually gets easier and easier where the word becomes second nature. When we first get saved, the world is second nature to us. Do you know what I mean? And so we act out of what is in our heart. But that's why we have to constantly renew our mind. I see people struggling. And the first question I ask them is like, okay, yes, it could be a spiritual attack. But are you in your word? No, I don't have time to read my word. There's no condemnation. But I'm saying the word is the sword of the spirit. The word is how we combat the enemy. If we don't know our word then the enemy just has access to our life with lies. He has no power, but he's an excellent liar. So we can be passive or intentional with our life. We are so powerful, and every day we make hundreds of decisions. You know, our future is not a mystery. For better or worse, our future is the result of our daily decisions. 
Every day is a building block for tomorrow. Romans 12, 2, I love this in the Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total transformation of how you think. That's not a heart thing. It's your mind, renewing your mind. And this, what? When we renew our mind, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How do we live that beautiful, satisfying life? By renewing our mind to the word of God. You know, we, I love when Holy Spirit zaps us. That's amazing. But that's not every day. <laughs> It comes by faith, it comes by choice, it comes by being powerful, taking ownership of our life. And we can keep blaming other people all day long and be a victim. But all that does is keep us stuck and the enemy wins, right? I know some of your stories. I've heard some of your stories. It's horrible. I'm so sad to hear it. But God... But God, he has done everything he needs to do to give us every tool to be successful. We already have victory, but it's just renewing our mind to the victory. And that takes work. You know, renewing our mind isn't easy. I mean, I just wish we could read something and like, we got it. It's like meditating, 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 meditating. The Bible says, take captive your thoughts. Why? Because our thoughts become our emotions. Our thoughts release chemicals in our body. And our emotions drive our life. And so our thoughts are so powerful. So you know what the enemy does? He just puts these thoughts. Sometimes, you know, the enemy's not omnipresent or omniscient, but he's not omnipresent. So we give him a lot of credit, like he's with each one of us all the time. He is not. He is small and he is defeated. But what he'll do is put a lie in us, maybe two years old, five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, and walk away. And he'll just let that fester and fester and fester and fester and it becomes our identity. And we have these strongholds of lies and strongholds of lies. And we're like, oh, the enemy's attacking me all the time. He's like, I attacked you once 20 years ago. That's your fault. You keep believing it. Right? But how do we know what a lie is if we're not in the word of God? This is what tells us truth. This is our mirror that we have to look into. So if we've been believing a lie and we read it here and say, oh, wait, no. God has a hope and a future. No, God is my healer. Wait, God wants to prosper me. Wait, God is relational and he wants me to have good relationships. Then we can take that lie to the truth and renew our mind to the truth. So when those thoughts come up or it starts manifesting in our life, we go back to the word, back to the word, back to the word until we build a new stronghold to where it's just a part of us. But it takes work. You know what's easier? To blame our parents. To blame our boss, blame our past mistakes, and stay in shame. It's a lot easier to do that because it's no work. But that's not worshiping God in truth. 
We choose our relationships. We choose who has most access to us. Um, there was a family who left, and a big part of the family who left was so mad that my girls wouldn't be best friends with their kids. And I tell my kids, you don't have to be friends with anybody. You have to love everybody. But we choose who we're close to because who we hang out with becomes who we are. The word of God says that. And a lot of times we let people choose us, but actually a powerful person chooses who are in their inner circle. I choose who I spend most time with me. Even family members, we can choose how much time to spend with them. And actually, those family members who are not like-minded and maybe toxic, it is healthier and we actually keep more love on towards them with boundaries. Right? Because if you're not in my inner circle, then I can keep my heart right and I can actually pray for you. And when I see you, I genuinely love you and think well of you. Boundaries protect. We choose what we eat. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about. <laughs> you know, our body, soul, and spirit. And I can't tell you how much our body affects our soul. We choose what we eat. And what we eat affects our health. I don't care how much you love the Lord and how big your destiny is. If your body's sick, you're not going to be able to accomplish much. And we choose. And some of us, it's harder. If you've never been taught how to eat healthy, right? If you've never been given that tool, then you have to learn with the Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit knows. Should I eat this? No. Just read on the ingredients. If sugar is one of the first four ingredients, don't eat it. Read on the ingredients. If you can't even pronounce it, don't put it in your body. If God made it, it's probably good. Steak is good. We choose what we watch. We choose what we watch. Eyes our lamppost into our heart. We choose what we watch. We choose what we put before us. We choose what we listen to. This is all our choice. The thing is we just subconsciously just do all this and make all these decisions. We choose what time we go to bed at night. We choose what time we wake up. We choose how close we want to be to God. His preference is throne room close. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Whose choice is that? It's ours. God draw near, God draw near, God draw near. It sounds so good. And he's like, how much closer can I be? I live in you. Could you draw to me? Right? We, by faith, walk into the... Okay, what does that look like? God, I'm with you. You're right here. You're right here. You're right here. It's acknowledgement, right? What does that mean? I recognize, I consciously recognize you are not God far off, but you're here, you're here, you're here, 
you're here. Thank you, thank you. And then thanksgiving, we enter into the presence of God. It takes two minutes or less to recognize him. That's so powerful, just recognizing Holy Spirit, that he's right here with us. And peace comes over your whole body. We determine how much of the word we know. We determine. You can read it. Guess what? You can listen to it now. Like, we have no excuse. Well, I have to wake up so early and I have to drive an hour to work. Great. Put on the word of God. You can, right? You can. All of these daily decisions are building our future, whether it's God's plan for us or not. God does not control us. I wish he did. My life would be really good, right? Like, I wish he did, but love does not control, and he is love. Love is freedom. We're not forced to love him. We're not forced to be close to him. We're not forced to read his Bible. We're not forced to tithe. We can be generous or not generous. We can pray or not pray. We can read our word or not read our word, and none of that is based on salvation. Salvation comes by faith. But we can be saved and depressed, saved and ineffective, or saved and living the abundant life. And it takes worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so much of the truth is on us. We need the supernatural, but we need to live by wisdom. I am... I grew up in the prophetic movement, and Ben grew up in the word of faith, so I don't know if you know these. It doesn't matter. It's all the word of God, but I grew up around a lot of prophetic people, and I've met a lot of prophetic people, and it's like they're having visions every day. They're encountering God every day, and they just sound amazing, and I'm not saying I don't believe it. It, it, could, it could be, absolutely, but their marriage is falling apart their kids are struggling. They're spending so much time with God. They're neglecting their house. You know, like, there's a better way. And it's spirit and truth. You know, so they want to come for help. And it's like, I just need another prophetic word. And I'm like, no, you just need to clean your house. <laughs> you just need to cook. You just need to spend time with your husband. Like, those things are actually so godly, right? Or the husband, you just need to get a job. Just get a job. God will provide. God will provide. No, get a job. <laughs> right? Like, this is the truth. This is the truth. God is so much more practical than we think. So, so many times the practical or the truth leads to the supernatural. Faith in the little makes us ruler of much. Um, you know, it's a common misconception that some people have more self-control than others. And um, from what I've learned, it's not about self-control, it's about boundaries. It's about boundaries. Boundaries protect us. Because boundaries take away distractions and temptations. If something isn't there, you're not going to be as tempted. Right? So we have to take it away. Um, they say when you go on a diet, 
you should get all the junk food out of the house, right? It's like, no, I have self-control until that one night. <laughs> You know, but if it's out of the house, it's a lot easier to have self-control. But that is the same with walking in truth is having boundaries on what's important to you. I know what's important to you, not by what your words are, but by your boundaries, right? My marriage is very important to me. I don't spend any alone time with another male. I don't counsel another male. I don't think I would ever cheat on my husband. I love my husband. But I just set these boundaries because it's that important to me. Does that make sense? Ben and I, when we got engaged, well, let me just tell you, we're both very passionate. We needed lots of boundaries because purity was important. Right? Purity doesn't just happen. Oh, I'll never, I'll never well, yeah, get engaged in being alone in a car and we'll see how long your purity lasts. Like, I don't care how much you love the Lord. God has given us these passions, you know, and you awaken that love and Lord have mercy. We wouldn't be alone. We had to protect boundaries because it was that important to me. My time with the Lord is critical. I protect my God time. If I have to wake up early, if I have to go to bed, I'm married to a night owl. He's like, let's stay up and watch a movie. I can't. I mean, sometimes, but you know, I have to protect because my time with the Lord, I'm telling you me personally, is life and death to me. I have to be with Jesus every day. You might get away with not, I have to. I'm saying for me, I have to be with Jesus every day. I have to have the word every day. The onslaught of the world and the enemy is too great. I have to be in the word. It's precious to me. And so I protect that by going to bed at the right time, making sure I'm up before my kids are up and my husband is up because I love that time with the Lord. So we can want a lot of things, but our daily decisions really determines our future. Okay, now, turn with me to 1 Kings. I'm going to tell you a story, and we all know this story, but I, there's a twist. And when I tell you this twist, I just want you to think about it, because in this story, I just think we give the enemy too much credit. I am not a fan of giving the enemy any worship, any credit, any glory at all. He is a defeated foe. But we kind of do this. And so we're going to talk about Elijah today. So turn with me to 1 Kings 18. In 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to start with verse 2. And it says, Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king of Israel. And it says, there was a great famine in Samaria. Verse 3, Ahab called Obadiah, who was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah was righteous, God-fearing, working for a wicked king. What a great position to be in, because he was powerful. 
And it says that now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them in groups of 50 in a cave and fed them bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land and in the springs of water in the brooks and perhaps you'll find grass to save the horses and mules. Okay, going down. So Obadiah is looking if there's any water. There's famine in the land. Well, he runs into Elijah, okay? Elijah has disappeared for years. He said there was going to be a famine in the land, and he disappears. So Ahab is spitting mad and wants to find him and kill him. So he sent Obadiah all over. It says there's not one kingdom or one dominion or one place that Obadiah had not been, and they did not find Elijah, okay? So then Obadiah runs into Elijah, and he falls down, and he's like, oh my gosh, where have you been? And there is like, how do you say a hit on your head? Contract out for you? This is what's happening, okay? And Elisha says, okay, I'm going to come present myself to Ahab. And he said, do you hate me or what? He goes, go tell Ahab I'm coming. He goes, I will not. I'll tell King Ahab you're coming and then you won't show up and he'll kill me. Don't trick me. You'll come and God will just take you away, transport you. This is what's happening. Just transporting him. You think the enemy can touch Elijah? No. God is protecting him. He's transported. He goes, no, no, no. I'll be there. I'll be there. And Obadiah's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is what's happening. So verse 16, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and said, um, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah, and Ahab saw Elijah, and Elijah said, oh, and he said to Elijah, you are the trouble of Israel. And Elijah's like, I'm the trouble? You, you turned your heart on the Lord. You have done wicked things. You have prophets of Baal, and just start listing all of these things. This famine is because of your choices. And... Um, so uh, then he said, but you know what? Today I'm going to show you who's God. And this is the showdown of the prophets in Baal and Elijah. Do you remember the showdown? And for time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but it's great. Read it. So they set up two altars. And remember, Jezebel thinks she killed all the prophets. Elijah thinks he's the only prophet. And God's like, uh, no, no, no. I have so many prophets hidden. God always wins, but the enemy lies. Anyways, they set up these two altars, and he says, okay, um, worshipers of Baal, you demonic worshipers, go ahead, call on your God. So they set up the bulls, and fire should come down from your God, and if your God is real, the sacrifice to your God will be burned up. Are you following me? So Elijah let them go first, okay? So they start chanting and calling on the God, and, you know, hours are going by. They start cutting themselves. It says, the word of God says, blood is gushing out as their tradition, okay? And Elijah is here mocking them. Oh, maybe they're sleeping. Maybe you need to shout louder. Maybe he went away on a trip. I mean, he's literally mocking them. Is Elijah scared at all? No. I mean, this is comical if you read this. 450 against one. One in God Almighty. He's not nervous at all. Okay, nothing happens. I mean, all day long. 
this demonic show, people harming themselves, begging for this false god to show up, and he does not show up. Then Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. Not only am I going to set this up, but we're going to drench it with water and drench it with water and drench it with water. And he called on the God of Abraham, Elijah, and Jacob. And instantly, fire came. And then Elijah went and killed all of the false prophets. Okay, huge moment, right? Really cool. Elijah's powerful. Okay, first, then Elijah says, Ahab, um, rain's coming. It's been famine for years, years. Rain is coming. And he said, Ahab, go eat and rest because rain is coming, which I don't know why he gave this practical wisdom to this wicked king. But in uh, verse 42, it says, so Ahab got up and ate and drank, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and threw himself down on the ground and put his his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go look towards the sea. And he went and looked and said, there's nothing. Now, he just said, a huge rainstorm is going to come. Actually, this is how he said it. I hear a sound of heavy rainfall. And the servant goes, he's like, not a cloud, nothing, zilch. And then Elijah's in his knees again. Oh, Lord, show up. And go again, nothing, 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 seven times, seven times. And then on the seventh time he went and he said, okay, well, there's a cloud like the hand of a fist, like the size of a fist. That's it, that's it, I'll use that. And so um, he went up and he went to Ahab and uh, Ahab got in the chariot, and it says that in the meantime, the sky turned black with clouds and wind, and it was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab on the chariot, read faster, ran faster. I mean, that's supernatural. I mean, isn't he tired? Okay. This all happens, defining moment, powerful, God wins. I mean, you're talking about hundreds against one, right? Chapter 19, it starts with, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he executed all the prophets with a sword. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Okay, what gods? The gods who didn't show up? The gods that don't exist? Like, what an empty threat. The enemy loves to give empty threats. And when he saw that she was serious, he ran for his life. Something doesn't make sense to me. I mean, women are powerful. I get that. But something is not lining up. What? You're scared of the God you just took down and you know is not real? And then he goes into the wilderness, sits down, this is verse 4, under a juniper tree and asks that he might die. I mean, this just seems really dramatic. 
I'm not saying the enemy's not real. I'm not saying spiritual attacks are not real, but something's not lining up here. Have you ever experienced such an an amazing breakthrough or encounter with God and enter like a really low moment? If you look back in your life, most of the time, you look back, you're exhausted, you have not rested, you have not taken care of yourself, and the enemy comes in with a lie that may normally not even shake you and bring you to your knees. He knows when we're physically weak. You know, God has called us to have a Sabbath day. God has called us to take care of our heart, right? Out of the heart overflows all the issues of life. God has told us to take care of our temple. And sometimes we run and run and run, and it's supernatural and supernatural and supernatural. And then our body just gives out. Elijah was exhausted. How do I know this? Because he laid down and slept. And the angel of the Lord had to poke him and tell him to eat. And then he crashed again. He crashed and burned. We give so much credit to the enemy. And, you know, Jezebel, sure, maybe she was a scary lady. Yeah, she killed a lot of prophets. Yes, is there Jezebel spirit? Sure. But Jesus Christ rules and reigns, and the enemy has no authority over us. In Colossians 2.15, it says, Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers, not some, and principalities of darkness, stripping them away from every, uh, them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Jesus, this is Colossians 2.15. Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon, every weapon, all spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. How much power does the enemy have? None, unless we give it to him. James 4, 7, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll just keep at it? No, and he'll flee from you. I believe more than a spiritual attack. I do believe it was a spiritual attack. Oh, absolutely. The enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the one who is rested, the one who's full of the word, the one who's taking care of their body, it's a lot harder to attack. It doesn't mean he doesn't attack, but it means that we're more aware. We're sober and alert, right? The Bible says be sober and alert because the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. Some of us are not sober and alert. We're just so dang tired. We're depleted. We've been giving our body so much junk food that our mind is foggy. And this is when the enemy comes in. This little stupid lie, after that huge showdown, brought him to his knees and he's having suicidal thoughts. I 
think he was emotionally and physically exhausted. Okay, he did a whole day thing. I know he didn't eat, right? Whole day thing. And then he runs a marathon. Get this man some food. Take a day off, right? Like, that. you need a day off. <laughs> he needed a day off. That he crashed and fell asleep. Then the angel of the Lord came and fed him food. He went back to sleep. He woke him up and fed him food. And just by doing that, he started thinking right again. Rest in food. Rest in food. And I'm pretty sure this was organic and healthy. <laughs> you know, it's from God. I've seen so many great men and women of God, powerful leaders, fall into sin because of lack of boundaries. And it starts small, you know, you get exhausted. You stay a little late. You're tired, so you take a little bit of this. You don't deal with your heart, so maybe just a little alcohol. I mean, these small compromises grow, 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 grow. And I don't care how great your destiny is, how anointed you are, how prophetic you are. If we don't have boundaries, we can lose all of it in a moment, right? Boundaries protect us. Walking in truth, worshiping God in truth and the practical things of life is 90% of the fruitfulness in our life. There's so, much, um, there's so much that we do that it can affect our body. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit, and every part is so important. Um, busyness is not a badge of honor. Busyness is not a badge of honor. But we wear it like it is. Like, you know, we're so important because we're so busy. Some people are so busy doing nothing. Fruitfulness is what God calls. Fruitfulness. So when you're doing something, okay, is this going to bring fruit or is this just busyness? And some people do busyness because they don't want to have to deal with this. If I stay busy enough, I don't have to focus on my heart, right? Um. After Elijah finally ate and rested, God's like, come up to the mountain, right? And there's a huge windstorm, and God wasn't in the windstorm. And there was fire, and God wasn't in the fire. And there's just all kinds of chaos going on. And it says there was a still, small voice, and that was God. You know, we can cause so much chaos in our life, and we're like, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? He's there. He's there. But we can't hear him. We can't hear him because we're inviting this chaos. Now listen, I am not saying that everything in your life you invited. Please hear my heart. There's real injustices. There's a real enemy. I am not minimizing that at all. So hear my heart. <laughs> but God is so big and so real. And all of his promises are yes and am. And you have a church family that will help you. And we can't do it alone. And we have the word of God. And it's a journey. It's a journey. Um, I'm going to close, but I want to do an example real quick. Can I just have a few volunteers? 
I like visuals. Okay, yes, of course, Nicholas, you'll come up here. I need five people. Five people help me. Just real quick. Let's come, yeah, let's come up here. I'm going to move this out of the way. Okay, I'm going to sit in the middle. You guys just around me. Maybe we should come down here, huh? Deborah says no. <laughs> I think we'll have more room. Okay. I'm going to give you just surround me so they can't see me. Just come all around me. Okay. So we get saved, right? And Holy Spirit and God Almighty is in me, right? Everything I need for life and godliness is inside. I just want to tell you that the promises are not out there. The promises are here, right? But all these people represent lies that I'm believing from the enemy. You're really not, but you know. <laughs> and so when you get born again, I'm just about just for a second, my spirit's brand new, right? I have a brand new spirit and it's so exciting and God has abundant life for me. And we just want it to come out. But you know, like I, I learned about, oh, God doesn't want me poor, you know, but I have a stronghold of poverty. God doesn't want me sick, but I have a stronghold of sickness. God doesn't want me depressed, you know, but I have a stronghold of so many lies, right? God wants me happy, but I have a root of bitterness. I mean, there's just things all around. And so I'm standing here, and if I do nothing, then I feel like, you know what, God's not real. Well, maybe he does want me poor, or maybe he does want me sick. And the promises can't manifest. Do you see what I mean? Because it's blocking, but as we renew our mind to the word of God, I start taking down the strongholds in my life and I start having victory. This does not come by being zapped in the Lord. This comes by mind renewal. And it takes process. It takes time because sometimes lies have been there forever. And the lies like, I'm not going anywhere. Remember, I'm your best friend. Bitterness. You love me, right? Oh, yeah, it is comfortable. You're right, they were mean. And then we can start, no, we take our thoughts captive to the word of God and to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And we start getting breakthrough and it takes time and people want to give up. And sometimes we just get comfortable. So we're like, you know what? No, it's not for me. I'm just going to stay a victim. Do you understand that visual? But I'm telling you, when you renew your mind, it works. And then all of a sudden, the promises are coming out, but not just on me, but it overflows on people. And we are now giving the glory of God into this world, and Jesus gets his full reward. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So much affects by renewing our mind, resting. I'm sorry, but you're not that important. The world can go on if you take a day off. You're important, but the world will go on. Your world will go on. It's obedience to God. That religious spirit is like there's so much. We'll retire in heaven. We'll retire in heaven. Well, sure, yeah, we will retire in heaven. But we need good sleep. That's how God created our bodies. We're getting supernatural bodies. We will never have to sleep again. We can eat all the food we want and we'll never gain weight. That is not on earth. Our food is poison and it's toxin and we have to be aware. And we can just eat junk all day long and be like, God's my healer, God's my healer. That's going to run out very fast. At some point, we have to be powerful. 
At some point, we have to take ownership of the body that God has given us and take care of it and love it and nourish it. And every single one of us has different limits. I can't live my life the way you live your life. You, you're different. Your hormone makeup is different. Your life is different. There's things that may drain me that don't drain you. We all need different sleep. We all just have different things that we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't give your best fruits to people who do not care. Stop giving your best fruits to people who don't want it. Because there's so many people who do. Protect your time. Protect your inner circle. There's ministry. Minister to everybody. But your inner circle should be the ones you can learn from, you want to be like. Some of my closest friends is like, I want to grow up and be like you. That's a good friend to have, you know. Protect your schedule, protect your time. Daily practices and decisions will lead to the supernatural. The world is waiting for a, super, a supernatural encounter with God. And we have to be healthy and rested to do that. Um, the number one reason for depression, doctors say the number one reason for depression is lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. No sleep, no sleep, no sleep, no sleep, no sleep. Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. I mean, this is how people live. And if it's you, it's no condemnation. I'm just saying there's a better way. There's a better way. It's called eight hours of good sleep. <laughs> Don't watch screens before you go to bed. Read the Word of God. Probably sleep like a baby. Listen to the Word of God as you go to sleep. You know, there's apps. There's like adult bedtime stories. It's called Abide. It's the coolest app, and they pray over you and scripture over you at night. How amazing. Eat healthy. Stay away from sugar and white flour. Eat protein. Drink water. We need water. I mean, these, these things, you're like, well, that's not spiritual. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'll be way spiritual just taking care of your body. You're full of joy and life, you know, not barely making it in. Our mind will be clear to hear the Holy Spirit, to give a prophetic word. These things are so important. 